Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Making Stuff Better podcast, where we aim to share knowledge and learning and spark curiosity in improving the health and care experienced by the people of Leeds. This is within the context of local care partnerships, which is the term used in Leeds to describe our model of joined up working to deliver local care for local people. Local care partnerships recognise that decisions made locally about people should involve the local community. Local care partnerships cover the whole of Leeds, one for every person, and build on the strengths and extensive history of collaboration in the city to realise some of the most exciting person-centred transformations in health and care. Each local care partnership includes statutory organisations such as Leeds Community Health Care Trust, General Practice and the Leeds and York Partnership Foundation Trust. They also include representation from the third sector and community groups, elected members, alongside local people and tailored to the local need and the features of that particular community. But why should we do this? Well, it's the right thing to do. George Winder, a GP at Oakwood Lane Surgery, wants to make the easiest thing the right thing to do. This isn't always about creating new services. This is very much about identifying and working with the community assets that we find across the city, recognising that the population of each local care partnership is different and requires different ways to tackle health inequalities and the impact of the wider social determinants on the people in that place. This podcast will aim to hear from a diverse range of voices from across the city and we will explore why our guests are working in and with their communities. My name is Graham Hyde and I am the host of this podcast. In this episode, we welcome Tim Riley, who is the Chief Executive Officer at NHS Leeds CCG. Welcome, Tim. Hi, thank you, Graham. No problem. So I am interested in your journey to this point of your career. So I wondered if you could tell us how you got to be uh, the Chief Executive of NHS Leeds CCG. It's a mouthful. Um, What is a CCG? clinical commissioning group um, and I suppose what makes you get out of bed in the morning why why are you so bothered about this job okay certainly um when I, when I told my dad I'd become um, chief exec because the CCG um, he said to me uh, oh he said you're 55 and you still haven't worked out what you want to do with your life <laughs> and um, I yeah I've had quite a varied career up to now so I, so I certainly left university no idea what I was going to do I, I envy my one of my sons who's a doctor who always knew from about 13 what he was going to end up doing and, and that's where he went um, but I suppose one of the things that characterises a lot of it is it, it has generally been about people. So when I left university, I went and worked as a youth voluntary youth worker for a year. So sort of gap my gap year was doing voluntary youth work in the in the wonders of Accrington. Right. Um, after that, I I worked um, for a few years in business, but then uh, went on to be a priest in the Church of England. Okay. Uh, which was fine. It was good for about eight years. Um, and some time doing that. Uh, and then uh, and, and I suppose one of the frustrations of that is um, one of the things that began to, I began to find frustrating is I, I'm not whilst I'm, I'm very passionate about people. I'm probably not the most natural people person okay. and getting in the detail of my new shy of individuals lives was not the thing that really ticked. Okay. Tick my box and rock yeah. the boat for me. 
Um, and I, I was more interested in some of the bigger societal things that we could do to change people's lives or improve people's lives that weren't perhaps always down to that individual one on one type relationship. Yeah. So the sort of pastoral care side of it, as it was referred to in the Church of England, began, I suppose, to bore me, if I'm really honest. Okay. Um, yeah. So after that, I, I went and worked for briefly for what was then age concern in the voluntary sector for about a year or so uh, on a, a project that was sort of jointly funded by the um, local authority and the NHS. So right back in those days, integration, this yeah. is at least 20 years ago, uh, which was great, a great, a great job, but um, struggled to pay. It wasn't the highest pay in the world and with a, with a family appearing around the same time and, and so on. Um, I then got recruited into the NHS and I've worked in a whole range of things in the NHS, which I guess is what my dad's dig was about. I, <laughs> I've just based, I've just gone from job to job as they've come up. Yeah. Um, and I, in reality, all along where I was pushing for was a more strategy, big picture. How can we make sure that systems and, and, and the world works in a way that really delivers? Yeah. So less about the, the small, the change on the ground right now or about the, the patient doctor or the uh, person professional relationship, but much more about how can we make sure that the system works? So I worked in Stockport for a number of years, did a whole lot of jobs from modernization agency planner um, through to uh, governance and assurance uh, strategy and planning and um, ended up uh, clinical governance and ended up um, then coming to Leeds director of strategy um, about three well three years ago now yeah. uh, and a year or so after I arrived the uh, then chief exec at the CCG said they'd move on and I, I got my replies and, and was fortunate to get the job. And I suppose for CCGs fit in a way with me because they are absolutely about people. They're about the people in the leaders case, the people of Leeds and the services yeah. they get. Um, but the role is to make sure that the money that comes through for the NHS, it's about £1,500, £1,600 a person uh, for every person in Leeds on average, £1.4 billion in total is spent in a way that gets the best set of combination of services to both look after them when they're poorly, improve their health and manage their health when they've got long-term conditions and so on. Um, and that that fits both with that people drive of me, it fits with that big picture drive behind me. And also growingly, and all the evidence suggests you can't do that if you don't work in a really integrated way, which of course is where I almost started out in the public sector and age um, concern all those years ago. Yeah. So it, it brings those three things together. But in the end of the day, what gets me up and gets me up in the morning is a belief that we can support people to live healthier and more fulfilled lives. Uh, and that starts with individuals, even if I'm talking about the big system and the plan around it. Yeah. And so in your in your case, from where you sit, how do you know that you are? doing your best by bringing these organisations together and integrating them. How do you know that that's working or is having or you are spending that money in the best way? Um, there's probably multiple levels in ways you can answer that. One, one level around sort of some of the data and so on that we would use. So you so we know, for example, that the amount of time people wait is really important, what we call access. 
uh, and that's really important about their experience, about their anxiety, uh, and sometimes actually about the health outcome if you think of cancer. So generally, you, you will want to follow that and understand that. But also you want to look at those sort of broader statistics about how long people's life expectancy and people's healthy life expectancy. Yeah. And I think for a good number of years, we saw all of those improving. We've seen all of those improving. But there was a point which it was almost going to be impossible to improve them further unless we work more closely together. And then, of course, with the pandemic, we start to see a lot of those going in the wrong direction, yeah. uh, which is one of the huge challenges. People's access to see their GP, their wait for surgery, those things are going in the wrong direction. We know health inequalities have widened. Yeah. So so one, one answer is, is is looking at the data. Um, that we we have around us. And that's quite important because it's it's perhaps a little bit more objective. I think one of the other the other pieces that we've done recently and is really important is is listening to individual patient stories and patient um, or people's stories because they're not just patients that citizens of Leeds, they're people who live in Leeds with a whole set of services interacting with them. Um, and what you see and what you you hear when you listen to those stories is a sense of a fragment fragmentation, having to retell their story a dozen times. Um, but always, and I think until we encounter those set of services, we all always believe the NHS is one thing. <laughs> uh, and it's only when we encounter it in detail that we realise it isn't. So listening to those stories and, um, and looking to see improvements in, in the experience that they feed back, as well as the big numbers, it's got to be a combination of both really. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think you're right. I think most people think that the NHS is just one organ, one huge organisation, and that probably includes uh, general practice as well. Um, yeah. And when when they are having to retell their story multiple times, I mean that that's really frustration, frustrating. And they, I'm sure they just say, "Well, I've I've told this to to that person down there. Why aren't you sharing this information?" So so yeah, you, you, you're quite right. And I just want to take you something that you said there about health inequalities. So that's been a, a real focus of, of some work that I've recently done here in Leeds. And obviously the, the podcast here is making stuff better. And there was a point where I'd seen this, the information around health inequalities. And actually, they, as you rightly say, the gap is widening and it's hashtag let's stop making stuff worse. So, you know, do you see that coming together and collaborating and working in partnerships across the city, across, you know, not just statutory bodies, but the third sector, all of those amazing people and organisations that we have in Leeds, how, how are we going to get them to come together around populations to stop that gap widening? Because that's it's not good, is it? I mean, I can't, there's no other way of describing it. It's not good that we are, we're very privileged to work. I, I particularly feel very privileged to work in the NHS doing what I do, but I think we could, we could be better. So how, what is your vision for narrowing or, or not making stuff worse in the city? Um, Again, there are a few way, a few things I could answer around that. One is I don't I don't think we should lose sight of of the role the NHS can play very directly, um, which in comparison to the role the broader society plays. So so for example, we know education, um, earnings, 
um, uh, early childhood uh, experience are may which collectively often play together are major major drivers the sort of things we talk about as wider determinants of health now the nhs can play a part in that i'll, I'll touch on a couple of examples in a moment um, but broadly it is almost it almost bears the consequence of those not working well so if, if 80 percent of life outcomes which is probably the, the lowest end of it might be 85 percent are driven by those kind of factors then it's it's there that society really has to look but the nhs can play an important part um, so we mentioned i mentioned early childhood experiences and if we're really serious about addressing um, health inequalities gap then um, the way the council and the local authority work with children and families yeah. is going to be going to be essential and that's that's about both intervening early it's about then responding well um, and it's about managing the mental health and well-being of children who've been through some awful trauma sometimes or less awful but nevertheless life affecting um, yeah. trauma um, so i think childhood mental health is a major way that the nhs can influence because it'll have an influence on people's likelihood of ending up in the judicial system but it'll also have an influence on how well they do at school and then we know school out, out um, attainment is a major factor in terms of future um, uh, life expectancy yeah. so we can play a really important part we're also a huge employer so 57,000 people in Leeds so I think you know we, we need employment and we need a way of working seeing this role as anchor institutions Leeds teaching hospital in one of the most deprived parts of Leeds where where we are um, affecting change by who we are and our presence there and we, we use the term the anchor institution but it's it's really saying this community sat around us is part of us and how can we affect it and, and, and benefit it yeah so, so that's if you like where, where health can play in those wider determinants but we've also got 15 to 20 percent where we can play a direct impact making it better or worse um, so when we look at things like waiting lists uh, why is it that people from black and asian minority ethnic groups wait the longest of all that people from more deprived groups generally work, wait a lot longer than those in the most affluent groups why is it those people present much later for cancer for example um, or indeed car cardiology and respiratory um, actually that's because of the way we've set up our services we've set them up in a very stand well one of the answers not the only answer it's part of the answer is we set our services up in a very standardized model and where I really think things like local care partnerships and the local communities come in is different communities um, will need a different model of delivery yep. in order to access it. We've seen it with them, COVID. So uh, yeah, uh, was, you know, the response to Bilal Centre, for example. Yes, yes. We can't offer it. We can't offer our service the same way to everybody and expect a standard no. equal result. Because no. I think we talk about or some people would talk about hard to reach communities. Actually, they're not hard to reach. The The service that we've designed is hard to access. So we need to spin it around all the time. And the, the classic example is how we've um, we've taken the vaccine to the communities in Leeds and we've seen the benefits of doing that about, um, you know, faith leaders, role modelling, having a vaccination, people coming into the centre and then going back and telling all their family and bringing all their family and people having weddings at the Bilal Centre and then being, you know, literally taken part of the wedding is, is being taken to the Bilal Centre and supported through having a vaccination. So, so yeah, I, th I think you're, you're right. We need to, we need to deliver or make our services accessible in a very different way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, 
Yeah, go on. Well, I suppose I just, I think to me, that's where, why local care partnerships, to me, you asked about the vision for the future. There's a population groups. Yeah. And we need to really look at across the city, both at a, a population of frailty or a population of long term conditions or children or whatever. But look at that in a, um, a in a way that is more granular and about neighbourhoods and um, deprivation and ethnicity and so on. So we, we're constantly adjusting our service. But of course, the place where a lot of that comes together, not all of it, but a lot of it comes together is, is in those local care partnerships. They're much closer to understanding their communities or have a much greater chance of understanding their communities. Yeah. And to me, that's that's where the why they're essential to this overall strategy and vision that we were uh, that we're trying to take forward in Leeds. Yeah. So so I suppose building on that. So I've heard a rumour that NHS lead CCG clinical commissioning group will cease to exist at some point in the near future with some uh, I suppose some changes coming down from from NHS England so I just wondered if you could sort of position where where the local care partnership body or organization or, or yeah community where does that fit into those new I suppose structural changes in the NHS because it is just the NHS whereas local care partnerships are very much a partnership approach with the NHS just being one part but do you see local care partnerships being more important you know how are they going to develop over time? Okay um in one sense it leads I don't think the changes are huge but you're right the rumour is, is is true and the CCG will cease to exist from the 1st of April or oh, highly likely to. Um, and the, to me, I think local care partnerships are already on a journey and that journey will continue. The reason I say the change won't be huge is in many ways the CCG has is, a, is the route for the money from the NHS to flow, as I described earlier. There will be some other board that, that flows that money into Leeds and it will be a Leeds based board, although we're part of West Yorkshire. Uh, uh, it will have more more of a partnership feel. The way the NHS has been set up to, up till now is um, you have these people who are effectively purchasers of healthcare, the CCGs, and providers of healthcare, um, all the different partners, and 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 you, they're in competition with each other. Well, all that's disappearing really into a much more partnership space. So the partners together will collectively own the overall plan as well as they're delivering their their small their parts of it. Uh, of course, in Leeds, we've been trying to work a bit like that anyway, despite our structures, so it, it shouldn't feel a huge change. And we, we established local care partnerships a few years ago, and they've been on a journey. Um, where we'd want to get to, or where I'd want to get to, the vision I've got, is that a local care partnership will understand, uh, will, will understand a number of things. It will understand its population really well, both in that close relationship we just talked about, but also from the numbers. Yeah. You know, it's health the, of the population, the possible the future outcomes of the population, how how things are, are moving and, and, and so on. And also it will have a it will have a very clear um, budget effectively to, of what it okay. currently spends within those. Um, now, probably initially, certainly that will be what we call an indicative budget. So it won't be you know, here's the actual cash, but here's broadly the budget and what what we want you to do in a local care partnership is to reorganize the resources you've got because with the budget come people and staff and everything else some of whom are in in your locality some of course are who are in the hospital 
or somewhere else entirely in the city. Um, and what we want you to do is start to reorganise things at your end using that resource to get the best benefit for that group of people in terms of those outcomes that we've talked about. So if you take. Um, so there's a really good example, I think, from um, I'm trying to remember, I think it's from Morley. Yeah, Morley, Morley at uh, LCP. And so they they identified in their frailty work with um, that actually there were a, a group of people who seemed to be having foot problems and falls related stuff much more than you would expect in that particular population. And when they looked at it, it was scattered across six or seven streets, from what I remember. Uh, and so they started to respond very deliberately to that. That was quite small scale. But imagine if they had control of all the resources as well and could really reorganise it in the way. Well, I think then you would start to see uh, a, a real change and a real targeting of some of the, the, the difficulties there. And it goes back to that earlier conversation um, about um, how we need we need to to deliver services differently for different communities. Yeah. In terms of the broader the broader um, changes, I suppose what is going to be good is now that the NHS is moving out of this competitive world into a partnership world. And not only is it a sort of a, an against the grey move, which perhaps it's been in Leeds over the last few years, it's now what is expected. It's now formalised. That is how the world will work. That won't be relevant, dependent on individuals. That will be how the world works. And I think bringing people together to look at the problems together rather than one party, the CCG, stood outside the system almost trying to direct it is a much stronger way of doing that. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes, I think you're probably right. But how, I mean, there must be some challenges with that because it sounds, it sounds radical. It sounds very different. And it feels, as you've already alluded to, we've been working this way in Leeds. So it's, it's really encouraging that national policy is reflecting what we're doing here in Leeds. So I will always say that Leeds leads the way on a lot of things. And it does seem like that we do so that that's a really nice thing that that's being recognized with national policy but what do you see as those the real challenging tricky problems in this pretty radically different way of working we were, we were challenged that we needed to get three things right if we were going to make this work one was having a shared vision and per sense of purpose and when um, you say we, do you sorry, mean a group of Leeds. group of partners, senior partners, leaders, okay. organisations in Leeds? Yeah. For, for, sorry, yeah, absolutely. And that includes third sector, local authority, NHS, uh, and so on. And we were challenging you. You've got to have a, a shared and common vision, um, and it's got to be its sufficient granularity. Now we've got we've got a very good shared vision, and you know, wanting to be the health healthiest um, place for all ages, uh, and a place where the the poorest, the health of the poorest improves the fastest. Yep. Uh, but what does that mean in real, measurable, tangible things? Now we've started to do some work on that together as as partners, but you have to get agreement about that. We've seen again in COVID, sometimes when you've got a single goal get as many people vaccinated as possible, it becomes an amazing um, catalyst for coming together. So you need some really tangible challenges you've set yourself around that, improving the health of the poorest, fastest and so on. So we're some way towards that through our left shift blueprint document, which is our basically our health investment plan. Yeah. 
because that was the first thing vision I, and i think we're on quite a good journey on that one the second thing is you, we really do need to be able to join the data up and have a sense of a common sense of the truth so what are the issues that are preventing our ambition to be realised? What are the gaps? How is that distributed across the city? I think we're further away on that. I, I think we struggle with that. We, 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 we don't always talk as though there is one version of the truth. We, we all have our view of what the issues are and don't always seek to address them. Yeah. And then the third piece, which again, I think is really helpful, um, is that your decision making, it becomes joint. So you've got your governance right, which is effectively how you make decisions. I think there's some really good opportunities coming out of this. So certainly sort of the Leeds level, we'll be doing more of that around around what we're doing with, with the changes in legislation. What gets really interesting is how you then devolve that decision making to localities, to population boards, to other places and the governance and the, the, some of those challenges sound sort of arcane and a bit boring and a bit dull. But in the end of the day, if you want groups of individuals to take responsibility with their local citizens for a, a place for Morley's health, then you have to give them the decision making authority to do that. And that it naturally creates risk and it creates yeah. sometimes antipathy and concern. So to me, those, those are the challenges predominantly to me to around. Have we got a single source of truth and understanding? And are we willing? Um, have we got sufficient level of trust? to genuinely pass decision making to other people. Interesting. And how do we ensure that we have the right people around the, I suppose in these COVID times, the virtual table? How, you know, we've got such a strong third sector in Leeds. How do we ensure that, again, the being part of that future is a, is a, a level access to everybody, not just because the larger third sector organisations in the city have got a bit more, a bit more funding so that they can sit around that table. They can spare somebody for an hour a week to sit around that table. There are, you know, there's lots and lots of smaller third sector organisations that might not have that capacity. Is there a way, is there a way that we can ensure that Again, all of those voices of those amazing third sector organisations are heard within that population, within that decision making process. I think part of the answer is, which is, I think part of the reason it's so important to really distribute that decision making and um, and so on. Because if you if you retain it at very high at the very sort of centre of leads, what you do is you you create a whole set of structures beneath that that then demand lots of time and attention and energy. If you put it back closer to communities and places where some of those smaller and um, third sector organisations really work, then you create a um, a different dynamic where they can participate, where it's more fluid, more flexible, and so so I think that's part of the answer. Uh, the other the other part to me is is actually as senior leaders in the system, do we immerse ourselves enough in in what it's like? How connected are we? I, I'm really excited about the piece the Health and Wellbeing Board have recently done, which is to match up all the senior leaders with communities of interest across the city. Um, I'm about to the Hamas Centre on um, Thursday this week, actually. Uh, Amara Centre and uh, Shanaz is the, the, the 
the um, sort of chief exec or managing director uh, meeting with them. And, and that to me is, is really a really exciting development because it's about senior leaders. So it's less about other third sector um, speak, got a voice much more. It's about how do all those who are involved in the decision making process reflect what they've heard and understood as communities of leads and what we're, what, what we're living through. So I don't I don't think there's one single answer to it, Graham. I think there are multiple answers, but to, to me, it's it's devolved decision making as far as possible and bring bring senior leaders into closer contact and understanding and listening of what those some of those communities of interest are. Um, those at least are two apart, two parts. I don't say the total answer to the question because I think it's a challenge, but they're two parts that I'm quite excited about at the moment. That's good. That is good. So who's so who's sort of leading that piece of work? You know, why why now? Why has somebody said we need to get the senior leaders closer to communities? What's the spark for that? And I suppose why have we been doing it all along or, or why now? I think we have to have been doing it a little bit. Certainly when I it's it's been harder in the last year for obvious reasons. Yeah. But yeah. when I first started as chief exec, I, I um I think uh, where was it? Where where did I go? Um anyway, I, I went out, I've been out to a number of different organizations, both NHS partners, but also some of our third sector. So every month I'd have half a half a day with, with them. So I think in, in some way we've been doing that. And I know other leaders have not done have not it's not similar. Yeah. Um, where where this has come from, perhaps, is a sense that we needed to move on. We done we were working. A health and wellbeing board had lots of part had lots of people on there, representatives from the third sector. Um, I, I I guess it was just a sense of we could do more. The third sector colleagues, Pipgoff and others, Forum Central suggested it, but working more broadly, and people took it up really positively. Um, right. So I, I don't I struggle to say exactly where it came from, somewhere out of what is the health and well-being board and its connections. Yeah. But it, it's building. I think if you'd suggested it to a place that wasn't already doing some of it and wanting to do it, it wouldn't it would have just been like, mm. whereas yeah. it's actually been seen as a positive, really positive thing and taken on. So it's perhaps a timing issue. It's, it's the next level of engagement that we needed to do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in my experience, if if Pip Goff is involved, it's going to be great. Um, anyway, yeah. I'm going to try and get her on this podcast as well. Um, so, sort of, I'm going to try and sort of start to wrap this up. But I've been really interested in. Let's take a time period of, I don't know, three to five years. If you could predict the future, or I suppose you could say you've got a really good vision. And you've got plans in place to realise that that vision and, and what is going to happen in three to five years. What do you think? What do you think things will look like in five years in Leeds in the space that we're working? I would want to describe it from an individual in Leeds who's dealing with. I'll, I'll take it from the NHS because that's where I work, but NHS and its partners. I would want that person when they encountered the service or the services to genuinely encounter it as one. Um, the way I had it once described by a member of the public was um, you all talk about the teams you work in. What you don't understand is you're my, you're my team and I'm your coach. Okay. 
and I'm at the centre of this team and I call on you when I want and I would want our data, our data systems, our health records, our um, processes, our what we call currently referrals, which I think we need to get rid of, um, and discharge processes to be so joined up that a person, an individual in Leeds could say, my health and social care team are fantastic and not really to recognise there was any gap. There wouldn't be I'm waiting on a list. There wouldn't be um, someone else visited me today and asked me the same set of stuff. It was my team and I, I can see what's going on because I'm managing it. It's sat in front of me, at least for the vast majority. So that's one thing I would really like to see different. And I, 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 it seems to me essential. The second thing I would really like to see different is depending on where you live in Leeds, and this will sound a bit strange, you will get a different health service. Not to the point where you can't access that, not the old postcode lottery thing, but you, the way the service feels to you is much more f fitted to the way your life is, whether that's culturally, ethnically, yeah, working life, whatever it is, the service feels much more tailored to you. Um, and that, that so that, so, so that again, you know, we've talked about access, but it's beyond access that you, you genuinely feel they're part of your life rather than some weird thing that sits outside of it. I think then at a sort of wider Leeds level that we've we've demonstrably, and this is back to data, made some progress against a few key factors driving health inequality. Yeah. If we've succeeded, it will be that. Um, now that may be it may be the rest of England's getting more more you know, the gaps getting worse and we've managed to halt it that would that would be a good start but I would want us to show that we're more ambitious than that and there are particular communities whether it's people with learning disability or people in the most deprived area one of two of the most deprived areas of Leeds where we can actually demonstrate that there's been a health improvement um, that is greater than the health improvement in the wider population because then we're living up to that vision and the, the kind of things I, I'm thinking about are I would love to see a um, I'd love to see us to halt the relentless growth of diabetes why, why are we not setting ourselves the ambition to actually reduce the number of people at least with diabetes rather than go how on earth are we going to manage all these extra people what yeah. about the other way around and I know that will have an impact in those communities and it's a very health component which is why I've mentioned it um, it's not it's not the sort of broader pieces and then finally, um, I would like world class mental health services for children. Yeah, because if we're serious and long term about the health of the population. We have to have got the mental health and well-being of our children, right? Yeah, it's the biggest left shift we can do to me. Yeah, yeah. And you've you've mentioned there about. Proactive care, so it feels like the health we, we basically spend all our time and money fixing people where they're presenting to us in crisis or they're poorly or, or whatever it might be but actually there's a real opportunity as you've mentioned it that left shift how can we how can we be proactive how can we find these people with and and, and essentially support them early so they so they don't get into crisis and I think that is I agree with you. I think that is a really key thing, and it, I mean it's hard, but you know it's it's a great it's a great vision to have. I do I do think. 
the NHS can't, the NHS job and its money and its resources and time and people is really not fundamentally, and now it sounds odd about the prevention of ill health. But you're absolutely right. It's about proactively managing it so it's not a crisis in people's lives. Yeah. Uh, and and we, we do not do that as well as we could. No. We spend too much time firefighting and too much resources sat there. So we talk about the left shift as a city. We really do want to get into that preventative stuff and we will support where we can from the NHS that um, addressing the um, underlying sort of factors um, behind um, poor health. But from the NHS's point of view, what we need to do is become a much more proactive planned system and a much less much less crisis oriented. Yeah, absolutely. So on that note, those those sort of vision statements that you've just given are are pretty big and ambitious, and I'll support you every single way that I possibly can from from where I work in the system because I think it's absolutely the right thing to do. But I I ask our uh, guests what their big question to our listenership might be so I have primed Tim to uh, to have a think about a big question so so yeah Tim what's your big question to the people of not just the people of Leeds but anybody that listens to this I think the big question should always be and it can be said at an individual level or a wider level um what matters to you we've often asked um what is the matter with you what's wrong with you what can i do for you but what matters to you and that goes to me to the heart of addressing a lot of these issues i will just tell one last story as an illustration of it and i don't think we ask that question often enough in all that we do and we don't certainly don't we don't there isn't one answer that's the whole point there's probably 830,000 answers but there's certainly yeah. more than one i always remember somebody who um an old lady who was on who had varying blood pressure issues and was falling and, and was really struggling and um they were trying to balance a, a blood pressure and and we were cr- creating a team so that this this gp and the doctor consultant could talk very quickly with each other and what mattered to this lady was in the last 30 years, she'd been on a, her um, church trip to Morecambe Bay mm-hmm. from Manchester. Um, and she was really frightened this would be the year she missed it. Right. Yeah. And a bit of kit that enabled the GP to talk to the consultants immediately, as opposed to refer her, yeah. meant that was possible. Yeah. And of course, we would talk about it as managing blood pressure, reducing yeah. falls. She would talk about it as going on the trip to Morecambe with her friends. Yeah. And somehow we have to bring that to me is the question I, I would ask. I would want us to keep asking. Um, I, I struggled because there are numerous other ones, Graham. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, about it, our ambition and whether we really joined up and all sorts of other things. But that one, it just strikes me that that's where we need to start. Yeah. I agree with you. It's about outcomes, isn't it? It's about the outcomes for the people. What's what what matters to you? What's important to you? Because it's not about what's important to a statutory organisation about counting stuff and presenting a dashboard and a report every month. It's about what's important to that person that that we are presented with, and we have that responsibility to 
ensure that they're as healthy and mentally well as we possibly can. It's back to that, what a privilege that we have to be able to do that and influence that. And on that note, I think that's a really, a really great place to end a, a really good conversation. So, um, so thank you very much, Tim. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ram. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. You have already found it, but please do like, subscribe, and share. The podcast is available on a range of platforms, including Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. You might like to take a look at some of the stuff that local care partnerships are already involved with on the webpage www.inspiringchangeleads.org forward slash local hyphen care hyphen partnerships. Thank you.